Well, we've got a long scripture passage, and you've been standing a lot today, so I'm going to let you sit as we read this marvelous account from the Gospel of St. Luke, from the 19th chapter, beginning with the 28th verse. When he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount called Olives that he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village opposite you where you will enter. You will find a colt tied on which no one has ever set. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you why are you loosening it, thus you shall say, the, because the Lord has need of him. So those who were, were there went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosening the colt, the owner said to him, Why are you loosening the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him, and he went. Many spread their clothes along the road. Now he was drawing near to the descent of the Mount of Olives, and the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice, praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered to them, I tell you the truth, that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now as he drew near the city, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known even you, especially in this day, in, in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children with you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. The Lord open to our hearts and minds. This your holy word. Amen. Powerful words all through that account. Almost any sentence one could preach a sermon upon. But today I want to call to our minds the bigger picture of what Palm Sunday is. And we know that as he came into the city, his disciples who really knew him, I, I really believe they knew what they were saying when they praised him as the Messiah. And as crowds will often do, they took that chant up. And obviously, many of them shouted his praise, but did not know him, did not really know him. It brings to my mind his saying earlier in the Gospels, these people are far from me in heart. They praise me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Many of them 
did not have an inkling, and this is the tragedy. Jesus had ministered among them for three years, had preached to them, and yet they did not realize or did not know what was really happening. Palm Sunday begins Holy Week, the most important week of worship for Christians. It's the week where we remember the final days of our Lord upon the earth. It's the time when we remember his last supper, and we're going to be remembering that supper of Thursday night. We remember his going to the cross, and we will remember that on Friday. And we rejoice at his victorious resurrection, and we'll remember that next Sunday. But today, I want us to understand what is really happening on Palm Sunday. I've entitled the sermon today, Truth Comes to Jerusalem, because that was what really was happening. Jesus knew his time was near. He wept over the city because it wouldn't receive him truly as Messiah. He knew that was going to happen, but he wept over it. He, He wasn't angry at them. His heart was broken, just as his heart is always broken when a person catches a glimpse of him who catches the offering of his loving redemption and and just doesn't receive it. He was weeping for those who would not receive it. Not for himself, but for those countless multitudes in the city that would one day cry, Hosanna, and in a few more days be crying, Crucify. You see, the most tragic thing in a person's life that can happen, the most tragic thing that can happen is to live through life, overhear the gospel, just hear about it, overhear it, maybe even know it well, but never receive the Messiah who is the heart of that gospel. Reverend Kevin reminded us that Not everybody's going to be saved. And if you missed that sermon that night where he outlined the tragedy of being lost, the terribleness of hell, people don't think about that today much. You may not think about it. Now, if you're a believer, you don't have to worry about it. You have to worry about others. But if you don't know the Lord this morning, if you haven't really received him as your Savior, your future is bleak. That's the truth. That truth was confronting Jerusalem. The truth that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And that no man will come to God except through him. That's not a a statement that is, is just addressed to particulars. That is a universal statement. I want to tell you the truth of Jesus Christ confronts Jerusalem, that he is the Messiah, the Son of God, the only way to salvation. The false religion of the Jews, which was a a message that if you just be good enough, you can make it, but everyone knows that you can never be good enough to be saved of your own works. As Luther said, the works of the righteous are filthy rags unto God. They're never adequate. 
I know when I was in India and I would talk about to the Hindus about about their eternal destiny and they would say, well, I just, I just hope that I will pile up a, enough good karma, you know, the good things, to outweigh the bad. And I said, it's not going to happen. Because unlike the gods that you worship, and their gods are pretty capricious, our, the true and living God is a steady and sure God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his righteousness is perfect. There is no person who can approach his righteousness. And the scriptures say that only the righteous shall see God. And how shall we see God? Well, the truth confronts Jerusalem. The only way you can be righteous is through the graceful righteousness granted unto you through the blood of Christ. I sometimes say, and I've run into people say that even about this church. I say, oh, your church is full of hypocrites. Well, they're right. I'm the chief hypocrite. You know who the only person is that's not a hypocrite? The person that confesses, I am a sinner before God. I am a sinner. And I have nothing to commend me except the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only non-hypocrite in the world. Jesus confronts Jerusalem. They had a plan for their own salvation. It wouldn't work. They had an agenda. They, they wanted a Messiah that would set up a physical, political kingdom. That doesn't work. They, they had an image of themselves as righteous, and anybody who stands before the holiness of God knows that that's false. And the truth is always more than the spirit of Antichrist, that which is against Christ, can stand. His holiness, his love, his light, Cast a shadow upon everything that is opposed to him. The truth came to Jerusalem, and it was more than Jerusalem could bear. It made the Pharisees and scribes literally foam at the mouth in anger when he said to them, Your plan of salvation is not truly God's plan of salvation. And your hope for a Messiah is not the Messiah that comes. He went to the temple. The Lord whom he seeketh shall suddenly come to his temple. Remember that phrase from the prophets? It happened that day. He came into the temple and cleansed it. Oh yes, only temporarily, but, but it was cleansed that day for a while from the people who misuse the people coming to worship the Lord. You know what they're doing, don't you? They were selling sacrifices. If you're wealthy, a lamb. If you're poor, a dove. They were exchanging money. You know, the 
Temple had an investment in the money changers. They got part of that back, and, and, and they had also made the rule that the only money that could be given as tithes was, had to be Hebrew money, so they'd bring the Roman currency in, exchange it at a discounted rate. They made a profit there, give the people the coinage back. Many of them poor, struggling farmers wanting to honor God. And Jesus said, enough of this. The truth was confronting Jerusalem. But I want to tell all of us sitting here, it's also confronting us. It's also confronting us. I preached a lot of evangelistic sermons in Hawaii, and one time one of my members came up and says, Preacher, why do you keep preaching this evangelism? We're all saved. I said, how do you know that? How do you know that? I said, in fact, and this was a very godly man, I said, in fact, the only person I know in this church that's saved for sure is me. And that's true of all of you, too. The only person you know that is truly saved is yourself if you are saved. So I think it's important to the whole church of God to, to preach a salvation message fairly often. And I want to tell us today that the truth of who Jesus is is confronting our life today just as he confronted Jerusalem. And this is the truth. Jesus alone is the Son of God. John says the only begotten Son of God. Not an adopted Son. Not just a a chosen son, he was that, a chosen son. But he is begotten. That means that he is born of God. God is his literal father. And he, this only begotten son is the savior of the world. He's your savior if you've received him. He came to confront us with the truth that if we want life Eternal, and I want to say this, abundant life now. The only way we will ever have it is to receive him truly in faith. And what do I mean truly? I mean not just with our lips to acknowledge him, but to invite him into our heart, to set him as the captain of our ship, as our Lord, as our master. That we will, we will go where he goes and do what he does. And that our great hope in life is not anything of the world. Nothing material someday shall stand. Remember that. And those people that are giving their life for pleasures of this world, understand if that is what you're living for, that is coming to an end for you far quicker than you realize. And what good will they do you then? As I often tell you, someday everything you own is going to belong to somebody else. Why would a person follow the most popular religion in America today, that of materialism? Why will people sacrifice countless hours to become wealthy only to hold it for the twinkling of an eye? 
And when that twinkling of an eye is over, if that is all a person has, then they have nothing. I told one of our members this morning today, I'm giving away stuff. And I, I said, I'm giving it away because I'm getting ready to die. And the older I get, a lot of this stuff I have turns out not to be valuable. I don't know about you, Miss Doss. It turns not, out not to be valuable, but just clutter that gets in the way. I know that, you see. And I, I give those things to people I think will be helped and it'll mean something to them. But let me tell you what I have got. Let me tell you what I have got. I've got a loving Savior that confronted me with the truth. I've got a loving Savior who in His grace, by confronting me with the truth, let me know that I am a lost sinner, unable to help myself, and unless I am saved by His grace, I won't be saved. I have a loving Savior that said, Gerald, all you have to do is to turn your back on the world, come unto me, and give me your life, and I'll take care of the rest. Can the rest of you say that? Do you know that whatever is, is in the rest of your life, that God is going to take care of it? And he gives to you not only the promise of life eternal, he gives you a peace and abundance in this world. They cannot pass away. My wife had a relative, my first wife had a relative that uh, was always in constant fear that she was coming down with some dreadful illness. You ever know anybody like that? Are you like that? And she worried about it all the time. And, 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 and you know, anytime I walk into a person's house, and I see Prevention Magazine, it makes me worry about them. <laughs> you know, I see that magazine there, and I say, all that magazine is about is how you can get these terrible diseases and perhaps get over them. You know, people obsessed with this life are scared to death of death, you know that? And they stay so scared of it that they don't ever live. But the believer has no fear of death. Oh, he may fear the dying process. I may come down with cancer and suffer and hurt, and, 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 and none of us look forward to that, but, but I don't fear death. Because you see, the Messiah that confronted Jerusalem confronted me. That's a glorious thing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found but, but now I'm found. And then it has that marvelous phrase in there. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace that fear relieved." Relieved from the fear of the consequences of death. For you see, when the believer dies, life begins. Hallelujah. Jesus was confronting Jerusalem to bring him to the truth of life. Most of them rejected but praise God, there were those and have continued to be those that are confronted by Jesus and rather than turning away from him, wishing him dead, wishing him gone, wishing him out of their life, 
rejoice and receive it. Yes, Palm Sunday is the beginning of a confrontation. And it is a confrontation, it is a confrontation with the truth, and that truth is going to be present until it comes in fullness and power in the return of Christ. But that truth cannot be suppressed or set aside if, if believers quit confessing, even the stones will cry out. Now, I want to ask you this morning in truth. Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Is he the one that sits upon the throne of your heart and is the hope of your life? Or is it something else? Something else you spend more time and focus on. Some other entertainment, some other accomplishment you strive after in place of him. Is he truly Hosanna in the highest? Glory to God in your life. You're being confronted at this very moment with the truth. Only you know the answer to that. I do not. But you know the answer in the depth of your heart. Whether Jesus is your truth, is your life, is your way. If he's not, I mean, we can talk a good game and never be his. Is he your truth for life? If he's not, you're living your life in vain. When my first tour of ministry here was here, Rachel Paige's mother, Miss Lillian Basel, was a dear friend of us. Now, she went to Union Ridge. That's all right. <coughs> dear Saint, one of the things I always appreciated about Miss Basel, though, she would tell it like it is. If you did not want to know what she really thought about something, you'd better not ask her. Ask Brian Page. He underwent that test many times. Great one. But I appreciate people who tell you the truth, don't you? And I know on the authority of the word of God, I'm telling you the truth this morning. Unless you repent of your sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not going to be saved. I don't care how long you've gone to church or what all you've done. If you have not truly repented of sins, in other words, turn from a self-centered life to a Christ-focused life, you are not going to be saved. But to any who will, oh, it's a grand thing about the gospel. 
The gospel doesn't say, Bobby, if you've done X, Y, and Z, you can come. Or it doesn't say, uh, um, um, Brandon, if you're of the right family heritage and, and genealogy, you can come. That's not what he says. Hallelujah, I'm glad he didn't say that. He said, come whosoever will. And you know what that means? That means you. Whosoever will. As we close our service today, I'm going to invite any who might desire to receive Christ as their Savior. Don't be embarrassed about that. Don't be embarrassed if, you, if the Lord calls you to come forward today. You know, there are people that would love to hear the invitation to repent one more time. Did you know that? But they're lost and in hell, and they cannot hear it. So be glad today that if you're not saved, you have heard the call to repent because today you can repent and be saved.